Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Top of the Friday morning to everybody. Another episode of Believe in Kentucky is coming alongside the legend, Tony Depp. This is Benny Hardy. What's good, TD? Man, nothing much, man. Another day in paradise, as they would say. Absolutely. And for, for November, it's, it's still a little bit warm where I'm at, where we are. Not wintertime yet. I guess we'll take it. Man, listen, when you got weather like this, and, and as I tell people, as long as it's not snowing and it's not not uh, raining too hard. Uh, this is my kind of weather right here, man. This is my kind of weather because you know I love I love throwing my sweats on, man, and and going out there having my little hoodies on, so you know I can represent that way. And whenever you can do that, I think it makes the makes the best for uh, for me enjoying all all my sweats that I have, my my archives of sweats. The sweats and hoodies, just that them comfortable clothes. You can, you can run errands, do what you got to do, and just be comfortable and 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 hey, still man, cool. Like I said, I mean, when you don't have to worry about getting sued and booted all the time, you know, I, I tell people I, I like to be chilled and relaxed, and there's nothing better to, uh, than to relax in and having on some sweats. Absolutely. And I was, I was talking with a lady. She, she got some nice hoodies uh, that she does, and she, she's thinking about maybe uh, sponsoring the podcast. She got, she got a nice hoodie selection and collection. We'll have to see how that goes and, and definitely have to let you try them out if it gets to that point. But somebody that already does sponsor the podcast, as we know, La Terrain Watches, you were with them before they jumped on, and then Dave and Ben hopped on and sponsored the podcast. They got the blue band. They got all the watches to upgrade the wrist the way you want to have your wrist upgraded. Well, I'm going to tell you what, Dave, Dave surprised me, man. I, I got a little – I got something in the mail the other day. I can't lie to you. He sent me – he finally – not say finally – I know he's going to send, he sent me a blue band. So I was like, man, I got so excited about putting my blue band on my compass. You know, I was like, man, before I, before I go out of town, I have to go out of town for um, a sudden death by a friend. Um, with mm. a friend. So um, I was like, man, let me put my nice little timepiece on and, and represent my guys that travel. So Dave, we appreciate you and all you do for our podcast podcast. And, so many other people who um, will start representing your watch, your watch brand. And mm-hmm. most importantly, you know, we got to make sure as these holidays come, you know, it'll be a nice little time piece for men or women, significant other, boyfriend, um, you know, whoever likes wearing time pieces. Uh, Lots of rain has done a great job of just putting out the, the, the perfect time piece, but a time piece that can be, uh, worn at any time, you know, whether you're on the court, off the court, uh, going into a business meeting, it's a nice uh, representative piece. Did you? Is there a code that you have for yours that you can, for the listeners, for you to? For uh, to- I don't have it offhand, but I know it's if you were to use the, um, I guess, Tony Delk, put in Tony Delk, um, that's the way um, – you can get a code off. So I'll, I'll have to look into it. I have it with me, but I don't have it right now. But, yeah, you can get a discount if you use uh, Tony Delk. So. And it's LaTorraine.com, L-A-Torraine.com. And Ben messaged me, and I was trying to find it, and he said that if uh, people purchase the compass, I don't believe they get a, a free – I don't want to – I got to find that before the podcast is over. Um, if they purchase your watch, they would also get something else thrown in. I got to find that because he just messaged me the other day, but I'll find it so I can say it correctly before the podcast is over with. So only be people involved, man. Let's make sure they get this, this cool time piece. Exactly. Let's see. But yeah, I'll definitely find that before we, before we get finished for sure. Cause, um, oh yeah, there it is. He said the red crest is now free with a purchase of the compass, which is your Ooh. watch. So if you get a, go to La Terrain, purchase a compass, you also get a red crest. So there, there it is right there. Mm. Straight mm. from the end. I knew I saw it and wanted to read it right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, that's, that's always a good look. Exactly. So go to LaTerrain.com, 
Proud to have them here on the Believe Podcast Network sponsoring us on Believe in Kentucky. Man, this this college basketball stuff is the SEC looks like they might release the conference schedule today. We thought we might have a bubble, don't have a bubble. It's just so, so up in the air from day to day with everything right now. I mean, some of it has to do with, um, you know, like a lot of these companies right now is money. And I think the NBA, if they have a later start, you know, it will cost them upwards of, uh, I hear close to a billion dollars. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money that can be lost. And I think college basketball, just trying to make sure that as we navigate through the football season, that we can transition right into the basketball season and not have any, any, um, many cases. Cause I think you're still trying to find out, you know, what's the happy meeting between the fans and, and the athletes. And, um, you know, the NBA, I, I don't think anyone could have done it better. Baseball did a really good job. I'm not going to discredit what they, um, what the MLB did, but I think the NBA just by them having a, a actual bubble in Orlando, it made things easier because now you kept everybody in house. And when you can keep everybody in house and you're not traveling as much and you just in, at, um, in one destination, you can kind of see, you can, you can keep the numbers down and, you know, hindsight 2020, we wish you could have done this back in in May, to be honest with you. But we kind of let other countries, um, you know, not really dictate what we did. I think we were still doing what we what we felt was good here and not taking it too seriously. But once the, the pandemic started, I mean, there was almost like no turning back. And what the NBA decided to do was like, listen, the only way we really can pull this off is we have to have all the teams here players no one flying no one going anywhere and if you came back you'd be quarantined so you know Adam Silver done a a great job in just keeping it organized and you know um taking care of the safety of the, of the players the coaches and all the people uh the, the the medical staff all the people that were involved because what I what I found out was they were pretty much testing every day in Orlando so um and you have to you have to have teams that that don't travel and you know all the different hotels and uh, just interacting with so many different people and even all those people that were in the bubble you know they were being tested as well so they were protecting their brand and I think the NCAA is still trying to find a happy medium because just think about what happened with Clemson you know losing maybe the, the number one draft pick for what maybe two games and mm-hmm. this is such an important game coming up against Notre Dame that you know you want to have your number one quarterback out there so football has it hasn't been uh you know I think it's, it's even tough because you're dealing with so many players yeah for sure and and you talked about how baseball kind of kind of got it right towards the end they could they end up bubbling up for the playoffs and stuff they started off rough, like the Marlins and the Cardinals, and it was yeah. everybody was just COVID, 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 COVID. You playing over here, and no, you know, Cardinals would play like five games. Everybody else would play twenty, because. But then they had to kind of tighten it up and get it, get it right for the playoffs, and and they did until Justin Turner got COVID and came back on the field, which, oh, that was. I mean, it, it was bad, but I mean, you know, that man had been waiting, you know, several years to win a World Series, you know, yeah. and I knew. You know, of, of course, we probably would have been the same way, you know, um, as a teammate. We would have ran out on the field if we won a World Series, especially if you've been in an organization, you know, and as we always say, you know, given you know, that blood, sweat, and tears, you know, you want to celebrate, mm-hmm. you know, just because, you know, you came down with this and, you know, hopefully he didn't affect anyone. Oh, yeah. but, but, but I'm sure those guys were like, man, listen, you know, we, we, if, if something happens, we'll figure it out, you know, as long as they didn't pass it to their – to their elderly people or kids, um, you know, I, I I know he was more about, you know, us celebrating, not about the safety at that point. You yeah. know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but um, you know, just really trying to figure out you know, like the happy medium for everyone. You know, just for us, even even working on on the daily, going into office, going into a bank, going into a grocery store. I mean, we don't know. You know, just touching. A gas handling you don't know where it could be spread or how it could be spread you know and I'm, I'm dealing with youth sports all the time and I'm just hoping and praying that you know as my kids have gone back to school that you know none of them catch it and they spread it but um you know the really only preventive thing is you know is having a mask on you know that's all that we know right now 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been practicing that, um, you know, every time I go somewhere, I remember, I was remember just having lunch yesterday. I mean, I was getting up, I was like, man, I got to go back and get my mask. I got to go back and put my mask on, you know? So it's, I know it's, it's a part of our everyday, everyday life now. And even traveling, you know, um, a few weeks ago, you know, just getting on an airplane with, I'm like, man, this is, is this the new norm? I don't know. Yeah. I just know, like you said, you hope, no, it wasn't spread when, when Turner came back on the field because if it was, and, you know, I got my kids out there on the field and my family with me, if if it does get spread, I'm I'm looking at him the same way Donovan Mitchell was looking at Rudy Gobert. I'm just like, you know, I mean, like, dude, you. <laughs> right. But, 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 but listen here, there's a difference. Rudy Gobert, they didn't win anything. So I think that's, that's the difference in, in everything that's going on uh-huh. is that they didn't, the thing was, they didn't win everything. So when you got a chance, really, to go out there, sorry about that, people. Um, they came through on my phone, and it's connected to my laptop, which I'm getting ready to disconnect that right now. You never know when a call might come in. But, no. yeah, going back to uh, Rudy Gobert, I think the most important thing with him is, um, you know, he was he was kind of playing around with it, you know. And, and I don't think any one of us knew the severity of it at that time. I mean, right. when you think about, okay, man, you know, Corona and the spreading and, and, um, you know, I don't, I don't know where the, where the death total was at at that time, but uh, it wasn't as serious as it is now. And especially when people have, you know, we've had, you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people who died from this. So, you know, we have to take it a lot more seriously now than we did at that time. And uh, so I think we learned from that. Um, you know, because even when he came back on, you know, he, you know, he had a mask on a little bit, on and off taking pictures. But, you know, he was doing the best he could. I, I think in, in that time, um, you know, having having won a World Series, you know how hard it is to win a World Series. I think they were played in what in the last four years, three out of three out of four World Series, and to finally get that get that get that monkey off your back, man. I mean. To me, it probably was secondary to him. He was just all about running on the field, celebrating with his, with his teammates, man. I mean, come on, man. He's like a little kid. Yeah. I mean, little kids don't think about that. They just want to go play. Exactly. Exactly. And we're rolling along on the Believe Podcast Network. Y'all go to Believe.com. You can get every episode of this podcast there or wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Put a comment in there if you want to. Tell your friends. Word of advertising. You want to advertise your business or product on the podcast? Feel free. You hear how Tony and I talk up lots of rain. We'd be glad to talk up your business or product as well on Believe in Kentucky. And appreciate a sea of blue, Jason Markham, and everybody putting every episode of this podcast on the Sea of Blue website. Getting lots and lots of new listeners from Kentucky and everywhere uh, beyond and in between. That's giving us a listen on the episode. So we appreciate that. TD, man, we, we were talking last week how Georgia was going to be tough for our Cats. It, it was tough, but the, the defense, man, gave them a, a great chance to, to steal that game. They kept them in the game. You hold Georgia to 14 points, the number 314 in the nation. Mm-hmm. Defense came to play. The offense got a lot of things they got to figure out to, to get clicking, but the right. defense is, is keeping them in ball games, and if they get some offense – they can kind of turn things around. But, but I still think you have to give, um, you know, Georgia, cause like I said, you know, they want, they have one of the top defenses in the country. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, it didn't show up against Alabama, but Alabama has a, a high, high octane offense. And if you can, like I said, if you can hold a team like that to 14 points, you know, Kentucky has turned, turned the tides on just being a, a, a relevant team, you know, and just being a team that can compete against, you know, with some of the top teams in the conference. But, you know, like you said, your offense has to show up. You know, when your offense don't show up, um, I think the way the game is is made is tailor-made now for, um, you know, for dual-threat quarterbacks and the, the West Coast offense, you know, you have to be able to put up some numbers. And that's what we're seeing even from those dominant Alabama teams early was that they didn't score a lot of points. You know, so now as you watch like a, a Nick Saban, um, you know, some of these Kirby Smart, these these teams are really trying to score more points, you know, than they have in the past because, you know, as much as you can rely on your defense, you know, if if your defense gives up three or four touchdowns and let's say, you know, the offense 
throws interceptions, a couple pick six, you know, you're down. So then you have to air that ball out. And, uh, you know, I think Kentucky will get better at that. You know, I think it's just trusting, trusting the arm of the quarterback and, you know, just trying to make sure that the offensive players, you know, they're, they're definitely trying to execute because a lot of, a lot of what, what happens in college football is that, um, you know, trying to get stops and having, you know, the best receivers on the field and guys that can make plays after the catch. So that's the key to, you know, uh, having a good offense is guys that can make plays after catch and having a quarterback that's accurate. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky has some of those types of receivers. They think committed. I think they're seniors right now. They're, they're on the way. So uh, you can kind of get some, well, you know, the, the term now, explosive play, you know, yards after yep. catch, like you said. They're trying to get some of that at the wide receiver position because that's, that's kind of what's, was lacking, you know, got a good offensive line, got a good running game. A lot of people mad at the quarterback and, and <laughs> rightly so, but you got guys that aren't getting open like they should, or when they are getting open, they're, they're not making catches. Or and sometimes, I mean, even in basketball, you just got to go up and, and take the ball yeah. from that DB and, and make a tough catch. So that's kind of, they get that going, that'll take them to another level. Well, also I think, you know, it's funny you said about quarterbacks. I think there's so many, disappointed fans when it comes to quarterback and and it's and it's it's the most important position in all of you know probably all of sports to be honest with you because of you know trying to manage so many guys on the field and and you under you under constant pressure every time that ball snaps you're under pressure and we're talking about coming from the middle come from the right side the left side um you know you got to be able to make plays and see things down the field It, it it's a position where you know, easier said than done. Oh, well, he should have done this, you know, going back and watching replays. And I look at him like, man, quarterback got a tough job. When you've got 300-pound men trying to take your head off, can you imagine you're running for your life? You know, it's like some of these NFL, you know, teams that, are, that, that don't have great offensive lines. I mean, the quarterback don't have a chance. And especially NFL, I mean, you've you seen the elite players how fast they move. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how these 300 plus pound men can get from side to side and can run straight, straight forward. I mean, I've I never, I've never seen it before. So even when you go to going back, coming back to colleges, when you're able to keep a guy two or three years, and we, we talked about this in, you know, a few other of our, of our podcasts is that, you know, can you imagine Aunt, uh, Coach Cal having Anthony Davis for three years? Carl Anthony Towns for three years, Devin Booker for three years. I mean, how much better, you know, when you start seeing development of players, each and every year they get smarter, they get stronger, the game gets easier to them. And that's the luxury that when you start getting the four and five star, especially five star uh, recruits, is that, you know, your program is going to is gonna run, run like pretty much it's going to be a running engine that's not going to stop. You know, I, I think it's something that we got to keep seeing. And, um, you know, we don't – for me, it's hard, you know, when I see talent and say, man, that talent is, is improving and getting better. When you start getting more and more talent, because talent challenges each other. You know, it's, it's one thing when you have a really good player and then, you know, it's like, okay, we try to build a team around him. But when you have other talented players, I mean, you really have a chance. And you talk – and a lot of fans will say that. <clears throat> like, well, look what – Look what AD's doing now. He he didn't he he wasn't showing all this at Kentucky. Carl wasn't showing all this at Kentucky, like you say. And you were there on staff with him. I guess a lot of the season is just getting the guys to play together as a team. You can't you can't get it all done in one year. You can't get all these guys to showcase everything and put their egos to the side right. and come together and jail. You only got one season, and you got to get ready by March. So you, there ain't no way you can get everything on the table before the season's over, I don't guess. And I, I think it's for you, you know, we got to keep giving Coach Cal a lot of credit. You know, yeah, he could have won maybe two or three championships, but it's, it's tough, man. It's not as easy as people think it think it is. You know, no matter – you can't look at where AD and Carl Anthony Towns and um, Devin Booker, some of these guys are at right now because they still were like 18-, 19-year-old kids. And as you said, you know, I'm not going to say they were selfish kids, but – in high school, they were everything. Everything was built around them. And now when you start putting these guys together and you're trying to build a team is that 
you have to share the ball. You have to, there's only one ball on the court. You know, you, you can have five great players, but we still got to figure out how to share that ball. And then you got to be engaged defensively because, yeah, we, we might have five really good offensive players, but we still got to be locked in on the defensive end because let's say we're not making shots. You still got to rely on something. So, you know, when it comes down to it, um, you know, getting talent and then getting talent to buy in. That's the key. Can you get these guys to buy into your style, your style of play? And then with, with, even with football coaches and basketball coaches is you have to have players that fit into your system. And are you willing to change your system, tweak it a little bit when you have a really talented player? I think that's what my first year with Coach Cal was that the market was so good. You know, we came there and we was running dribble drive. But, you know, he was a player that, I mean, he had so much talent. Uh, he, he knew how to offensively rebound the ball. He could bring the ball down the court, post move. He was a passer. And you get guys that are special players. And he was a special player, you know, and, and, and I hated it. I hated he got hurt, you know, um, you know, probably in his prime. And, you know, just now he's been, been, been battling back trying to, you know, get through a season with the different kind of injuries that he's had. But, you know, it's, it's a tough game when – guys don't want to play together and guys don't buy into the system. And, and when, you know, even going back to, you know, we can go to the Dodgers, to the Lakers, teams that won championships, you know, you start seeing those guys, they're committed. They're in. I'm, I'm in. What, you know, what do you need me to do? That's what I'm going to do. What, what sacrifice are you willing to, to give up in order to help your team win? And we – we talked about the NFL a little bit earlier, how difficult it is to play quarterback. Uh, we know how funky and stanky everything is with my Dallas Cowboys now. That's been established for weeks and weeks. You can tip your cap, I guess, when, when your Titans lose to the Steelers on the video team. That's, you got to tip your cap. But how do, we, how do we then follow that up with a loss to the Cincinnati Bengals? I, I, you know what? <laughs> I have to, you know, I, I can't even, as soon as I said something about Dallas about two weeks ago, we've lost two games in a row. So I, I should have I should have kept my mouth quiet. And, you know, sometimes you can jinx your team. So I'm like, okay, we're five and oh, now I, I can kind of say something to, to these Dallas fans. And they say that we lost, we lost the next two games. But offensive line has to get better. You know, I, I think, you know, um, Tennessee offensively have done a really good job of just, you know, putting up, putting up numbers. But as I said about defense, you know, your defense got to travel. Mm. And Joe Burrow, I mean, you know, you got to give him a lot of credit. I mean, he's a, a really good quarterback. But any quarterback that can sit in the pocket and not feel pressure is going to pick you apart, and especially when he's – you know, he's very accurate with throwing the ball. You know, he's had probably, what, more 300-yard games than, than any other rookie at this, at this present time right now. So, you know, you put the right pieces around him, you know, he Cincinnati going to be a team if they can you know, start collectively putting the right, uh, right pieces around him because, like I said, he can really throw the ball. He's a leader. And just watching him play, especially in the pocket, you know, there was no pressure. When you just when you just sit back there and just enjoy, just, hey, you know what? Oh, he's open. He's open. You're going to pick a team. And that's, and that's what it was. You know, he was just picking them apart. I'm like, man. Um but they really got to get some some uh, pass rushes. I mean, and, and that's where you got to give like uh, like Arnold Donald, Aaron Donald. He is a monster when it comes to getting to that quarterback, man. And you know, like I say, when I looked at his height, I'm like, he's only six one. But I'm like, man, what what does he bring to the table? And I started watching film. I'm like, man, this dude is this dude is awesome. You know, he he is like I say, you know, a a unique player. He, he's a specialist. You know, when you look at guys that are great at what they do, that is Aaron Donald. He's an interior lineman. He's not even an edge rusher, defensive end. He coming, you know, through the center and the guards and double teams and all that. And still, he's a beast, man. He's man he, he, his $100 million, he's earned his money. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody's complaining about him Him, him being overpaid. I, hadn't heard, I haven't heard anyone say it. That Aaron Donald is over is, is overpaid. He is he has earned his money and probably, you know, could earn a little bit more money uh, because of his his present. But you know, you, you got to have that that drive, that motor, and you know, going back to uh, to basketball. I mean, I think that's what separates LeBron from so many other athletes. Man, is that 
you know, his drive, but just his, his IQ. And, and those are certain things you can't teach. You can teach a lot of things about football, baseball, and basketball. But, you know, how your brain operates and when it's operating at a high level all the time, I mean, that's something that can't be taught. I think it was, it was speaking of that, LeBron, he had the quote that he said that him now, he said at 35, he said, I would destroy my 25-year-old self if I played one-on-one. He said, I would, I would destroy my younger, faster, stronger 25-year-old LeBron if they went one-on-one. You know what? I would have to agree because of the progression of your brain and how the game becomes easier to because then you, you know, the game is not, you don't have fast feet and, and a fast mind. Your mind slows down. Now you start seeing things differently. The game slows down. When the game slows down in your mind, that's when I think you can just really dissect players and just dissect um, situation. And you figure out that, okay, my talent is so elite, but also my brain is ahead of its time. And that's where he's at right now. You know, I think that even as, you know, going back to Michael Jordan and some of these great players who start winning championships was that, you know, they thought – you have to think a little bit outside the box, but also you have to have the right supporting cast. And even with that Lakers team, before LeBron got hurt with uh, Ingram and, and Ball, I wasn't sure he's going to – and Kuzma, he was still young too. I, I don't think he was going to win with that team. I mean, I think it would have been a good team, a good playoff team that would have been first round and out. But when you can collectively put the right pieces around LeBron, and I think even with, you know, we can look at Tom Brady, we can look at Trevor Lawrence, you know, we can look at different elite talent at their position, is it's going to be hard to beat them. And especially if they won a championship before, because now they know the feeling, they know the process. And I think when LeBron left, when he left Miami, he knew how to assemble a team. So he, he learned from the Godfather. He was like, oh, this is what I got to do. This is what I need. These are the pieces that I need. So once again, he became, he became a gem in his own head. Mm-hmm. And he figured out, if I get these players with me, that I can be able to win a championship or put myself in position with a championship. And the same kind of thing with Tom Brady. I, I think, you know, we, we could look at Cam Newton and say, man, Cam Newton is having an a awful season. But Tom saw the writing on the wall. Normally – Bill Belichick is ahead of his time. He makes that decision, you know, before, you know, he gets rid of you before, you know, your talent starts leaving. So he'll, 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 he'll part ways with you and you'd be like, man, I still got a couple more years. He's like, no, I'm done. You know, we're moving on to someone else. And I think Tom Brady saw what was coming back. They couldn't get him any, really couldn't get him any offensive talent. You know, I think if AB had did his part, which he didn't, um, that would have helped them out last year, last season. Yeah. But when you can when you can put the right people, the right pieces around a a unique talent, an unbelievable player, you know, you got a chance. And I, I think even we can go back to the 2012 is the players around AD were the perfect complementary players. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking of the, the Patriots, I think um, I forget who they play this week. But in all of Brady's time playing in New England, they never got swept by anybody in that division. You play Buffalo, Miami, the Jets every year. You might lose to them once, but you never right. got swept. So if it's Tampa Bay, if, if Brady loses to New Orleans this weekend, because New Orleans beat him in the first game of the season, that would be the first time he's ever gotten swept by a division opponent. Now, that's wow. – I mean, you got to get credit to what they're doing. Some of it is the division wasn't good, but to be able yeah. to, to do that for 20 years and not get swept, that's that's 60 games. You know, you play everybody in division twice. Right. 20 times uh, – yeah, I think it is. I think it's twice, yeah. Yeah. So to do that for 20 years and not get swept, I mean, not stub your toe twice against Buffalo in one year or, you know, let Miami get you twice in one year, do that over a 20-year span is unbelievable. It speaks volumes for just the professionalism and just how great he is. I mean, and it's not to take anything away from, you know, because people are are saying, like, is is Bill – was a team Tom Brady, was it Bill Belichick? I mean, both those guys 
or masterminds and, mm-hmm. and they work well together. Um, I think with Tom, it was just, you know, as I said about being a professional, taking care of his business and he didn't have the best receivers other than, you know, Randy Moss a few times, um, you know, he, when he was with him for a couple of years. Um, but I, I think just his, his passing ability. And then, you know, he was well protected because if you have a quarterback like that, you have almost have to invest. Like I said earlier about Cincinnati, you got to really invest in, into a good offensive line to protect him. Because if I, if I see that, that one in a lifetime quarterback, that, that Aaron Rodgers, that Tom Brady is, if you can get a, a maybe even two, or we don't know, you know, we don't know how great he could be. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have that, a generational player is now you got to have a good GM president to start putting the right complimentary players around him and say, okay, this is what we have to do. And especially at that quarterback position, you have to have great offensive linemen that can protect him and allow him to be able to, you know, uh, see down the field, but not worry about, okay, man, my, my left side, is protected because most of the time you're not going to see that left side. You know, you're more about our right, our right eye is the eye that we're, we're using probably, probably um, more often than our left because, you know, we're right-handed. So everything is in our vision is different on the right side. So when you have a good offensive line that's protecting that quarterback, and I think that's what allowed Tom Brady to be so great is, you know, offensive line allowed him to be able to be a, a threat always. And as we've seen him, you know, do so, you know, doing, doing such a great job in Tampa, you know, is that, you know, they start, he, he saw the pieces. He was like, man, I got Evans. I got Grunk back. And they just add a B uh, for net. I mean, they added some, he's like, man, man, I'm out. You know what I'm saying? Cause now I'm not waiting on, you know, as great as, as great a coach as Bill Belichick is, you know, is he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't surround him with anything. You know, it's like having a great player. I think when LeBron left Cleveland the first time, you know, it was that they couldn't put the pieces around him. So when you have that that generational player is that you only have so many years before that player is going to realize, hey, man, I'm at the, my, my talent is got – I might take my talent somewhere else. And the sooner you figure it out, some players stay too long. Some players are, are, are loyal and they don't want to leave. But – and, and, you know, and, and not to skip all over the place, like I look at a player like Damon Lillard, you know, he's a player where his talent is so good. It's like, Dame, you're not winning Portland. Like certain, certain places you aren't going to win. I don't matter, you know, what, you know, they could, they got to bring players from other teams. And also you got to look at the city you live in, like certain, certain free agents don't want to go to your city. If it's cold, man, my players don't want to go to no cold city. But if you put Miami on the map, L.A., We've talked about this too when uh, Jimmy Butler had to choose between Philly and Miami. Hmm. Hey, it's not a toss up. <laughs> when you said when you said Miami and LA, it, it's a toss up, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, but and I think that's what players realize. Um, you know, as we talk about talent, is that when you when you put good talent together, good talent got a chance to win, especially good talent that's 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 disciplined and. That's what made Tom Brady such a a great leader was that your leader was disciplined and he was always accountable. You know, he showed up early, stayed late. And when you got that kind of leader, guys do fall in line. But when you got a leader that's that's not taking care of responsibility, it's hard to get guys to follow that leader. So going back to Portland, is it I don't know. I don't know the weather in Oregon. It, Portland is, you know, I guess on the outside looking in, a lot of hipster stuff. A lot of it, it's out there. It's kind of marching to the beat of its own drum. What was it like for you? Was it? Did you like it out there in the great Northwest, or is it just kind of? <laughs> man, I mean, you know what? I, I think you got to know, you know, what your temperature is. I mean, as we get older, we notice certain things that that we like certain weather, we like certain food, we like certain place we want to go. And even as a young player, I just, it was, it was too gloomy. It was a overcasty look. It was kind of like Seattle is beautiful. Poor, I mean, beautiful cities, but just not cities that I want to live in, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm not saying it because, you know, you know, I'm from the South and I, I like, I like the, I love the weather here. Uh, I just don't like snow. I don't, I don't like a, I don't like an overcast look all the time. It's like when I took a trip to to England, I'm like, 
you know what? It was, it was gloomy. <laughs> and when you wake up and you see that every day, man, you, like my attitude changes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to live here. And, and here's the thing, when you get older, you have choices. You know, you don't have to stay in, you don't have to, when you become an adult and you kind of get a job and you start making some money, I tell people, you can always move. Now, don't act like you're stuck in a certain city. Now, your job and your family are two things that can keep you there. But if you want to be adventurous, live outside the box, then you have to make a move that's beneficial to you and, and your health and your well-being. And when I look at Portland and Seattle, cities that I played in, they were not cities that, when I became a free agent, that were even on, even on my list. Mm-hmm. I was like, nope. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not, I don't want to play there. Only thing that would have drawn me if they'd give me more money. I'd been like, okay, I'm coming. <laughs> money can always change. Money can always change bad weather. That's how I look at it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and real quick on on AB, you, you talked about how he good. He went to New England and and didn't do his part. I'm thinking, you know, Tom Brady really lobbied hard to get him in Tampa Bay because over the summer. You know, Bruce Arians talking about it, it ain't gonna happen. We this yep. is not he's not a fit here. And next thing you know, he's signing. So I think Tom Brady went in there and flexed a little bit and said, let's bring him in here. I I think I think AB's just gonna come in and, and probably just do his business, do his job, and go home. I don't think he's gonna mm-hmm. gonna burn it down like he did in Oakland and New England. I think it just fit in and ball out. Right. What what a great thing they did they said about AB was that he came in in phenomenal shape. You know, so he's always been a workaholic. I think he was just trying to get the mind right. And from what I'm hearing, you know, he sat down and he was with Tony Robbins, you know, just really trying to get his head head in the right place. And um, you're right, Tom Brady did lobby for him. And I think Bruce Aaron, you know, it's, it's like, I'm not going to say <laughs> it's his second chance, third. It might be his fourth chance. I don't know. So, but but his talent is so great, man. Like, like it's almost like – we're going to try it one more time, you know, and see what happens. But I, I think with A.B., he had to get himself right, you know. And excuse me, when you have someone like Tom Brady who believes in you, um, you really don't want to let somebody, you know, I, want, I don't want to let that man down for a second time. Yeah. And that man gave me, man invited me to his house, yeah. get around his family. Like, that man really trusts me, man. And, and that's, that gets to your heart at some point in time because a lot of people – had given up on him and we're talking about, oh man, he, he just is this waste of talent. And you still have someone that, that still believes in you, man, is that, you know, that's a wake up call. And it really is a wake up call to AB to the point where he's like, man, let me get myself right, Tom. And Tom went out and he went out to seek some help for him. And that's something that to me, a real friend does, man. They, they see you struggling right now. And it's like, man, I got you, dude. And of all the people he's dealt with in the past, I think he's found a new friend in Tom Brady because Tom Brady cares about him, not just A.B. on the field, A.B. off the field. And when you get that, when you get that feeling for someone, man, you don't want to let them down. So I, I hope, it, hope it works out for him. I hope he's got his head on straight and, you know, he can, he can do what he's been excellent doing. And everything else he's going to figure out. You know, we don't know you know, what personally goes on in people's lives. You know, we just see them as players and think they're they're invincible and everything's supposed to be good. Man, everybody endures and goes through a lot of things in life. And you got to figure out, you know, your path. And, um, you know, we go through trials and tribulations at different times. And he just went through it at a at a time when he was he was a, a in the public eye. And then that's when people scrutinize you the most. You know, it's like, man, you know, we always you can always talk bad about someone when their business out on the street, but who to say those people don't have their business in order? I'm yeah. sure they don't. Yeah, yeah. We talked about, you know, we're getting a lot of people that listen to the podcast for the first time, a lot, a lot of new listeners, you know, from Kentucky and elsewhere. One of these new listeners was at UK the same time as you. He was a manager for the 2016 Tony Russell <laughs> there and <laughs> um he was a new crash yes he put a tweet out and said and like yourself you've written a book he said he is writing an upcoming book uh and he kind of profiled a lot of the managers that was there while he was at uk uh wrote a lot about uh mr kitely and, and that kentucky basketball team so it's it's coming 
it's in the works. It's on the way. Right. And so I tweeted him and, and sent a link to the podcast that we did talking about uh, Bill Kitely, the Converse, the uniforms, and all of that. And so uh, let's see. He replied back. He listened to that entire episode about Mr. Wildcat. And let me see. Um, oh, and let me go back to the first one where he talked about that. Of course, you know, Mr. Wildcat was was the greatest. Oh, yeah, he said good stuff. He said listen to the whole episode. The first thought was that he needs to buy a copy of Shooter and some Lorenzo's wine. He said he was drinking wine the whole time he listened to the podcast. So I had to put him on your wine, and he's going right. to get a copy of the book. So, oh. <laughs> um, hey, thanks for plugging that, man. Yes. Now, and, and I, I can tell you about, like, like Tony was that he really opened up because, you know, most of these managers come in, especially managers that live in Kentucky, you know, they're just, you know, guys that love the program. And uh, we, had, we had a lot of really good managers, man. It's, and, and, and Tony really opened up and became – he had more of a personality by the time I left Kentucky. Because I think these guys, you know, a lot of it – Coach Patino had a fear factor <laughs> with, with players, coaches, everyone involved. But, uh, you know, I, I was happy that as we moved on and, you know, we had our reunion uh, some years ago is that without those managers um, and guys that were sacrificing their time in order to help us become not, you know, great players, um, just to keep us in line, you know, to do all the, the dirty stuff, man, like to wash the clothes and, you know, to us sometime, you know, and we'd be mean. You'd be mean them dudes at time, man, because there there was a drill that we would do. It was like you get to make 170 layups in four minutes, and if if we we missed it by two or three layups, man, dude, we really was gonna beat them dudes up. You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, if we needed 71, 72, and you gave us 69, and we had to do that drill over again, like, dude, mm -hmm. after practice over with, we're gonna see you in the lodge, and it's gonna we're gonna beat y'all down. But you know we we had so many, so many guys that were that were locked in, man. And like I said, with Tony and, um, you know even even Frank Vogel was with us for he he was with us as a manager, man. So, you know to see Frank go and win a championship, I was like, man, I remember Frank was like the point guard for our JV team because we had we had so much talent and uh, coach wanted nazi them to get some playing time. Um, because they weren't going to get as much playing time with us in, in our 95-96 season. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're only as good as your leader. And we had a great, I mean, unbelievable leader, Coach Patino. And um, and it trickled down to even the manager, you know, because think about where Frank Vogel, where he started to to being an NBA champion, championship coach. Whoever would have thought that. Exactly. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get – get crash on here with us one of these days because he he was right he he said he agreed with you the, the converse were crap uh man, they were awful <laughs> he didn't have to play hey hey he didn't have to play in them man he, he just walked around in them <laughs> imagine getting up every morning man putting on them converse i was like man you know because at that time i want to say what was i wearing I, I, I wore nike nikes in high school and Nikes to this day have always been my favorite basketball shoe. Mm -hmm. And um, just to play, and like I've, I've tried Adidas, I've tried, um, I've tried New Balance, New Balances. Um, I had some Dada's, which I call some doo-doos. They were not good shoes. I tell you who, uh, shoes that wasn't bad was I did like N1s. And ones at the time kind of, kind of fit my feet perfectly, you know, mm -hmm. and, when you find something that, that works, um, and that's how it was with Nike. Once I found a style that I liked, you know, I would always want that same style. Mm -hmm. Same style, get the right orthotics. Because Nance about your feet have to feel good. Like it has to be a lot of money. Once again, for me just to say, hey man, I'm gonna wear these shoes, man, my feet gonna be hurting and, and mm -hmm. I'm nah. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, like I said. When you play this this many games, people sitting like you don't have pretty toes anyway. So you need to have some real comfort when you run up and down that court. You know, my 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 heels and the bottom of my foot need to feel good. And there were there were many games, man. Like I was I would tell coach, I'm like, coach, it felt like my feet was on fire. 
Mm. And at that time, I didn't know about orthotics. So I, I think the insole was so thin that all the running you do, you know, you basically are up and down the court and you need to have a, a, a thicker orthotic. And I didn't really find it out until I got to the NBA when I had, I went and got some orthotic. I was like, put it like this, man. It, it, it felt like me putting a pillow in my tennis shoes. Wow. That's how good it felt. Yeah. But you don't know that when you're, when you're like, a, you know, going back to high school, you just put, you know, buy, go buy shoes and you never think about orthotics. But no, they make a difference, I think, on every level you start seeing guys spend, you know, upper uppers to like four or five hundred dollars on orthotics, and it's all about they making your feet feel good. I I don't care. I, I love orthotics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to that, and Tony said he he wore those Converse on y'all's '96 Barnstorming tour, and how crappy they were. He says in '97. He wore Jumpman Jordans on the oh, bar. Man, don't tell me that. And, and he said actually he said he actually balled out because <laughs> <laughs> he had on some Jumpmans. Hey man, I, I you know what? I'm gonna tell you what. I was so mad when we left and he went to Nike. I can't even listen to what I'm telling you, man. Like I I was beyond pissed because I wanted to wear Nike so bad. My and I never got a chance to wear them, you know, my four years at uh, at Kentucky. And uh as soon as I got to the NBA, I was like I couldn't wait to wear Nike. Mm-hmm. And a couple times, I, I you know, I, I went, like I said, I tried in one one year. Uh, I tried <laughs> Dada for about maybe, let me see, maybe about four games. <laughs> <laughs> I called him back. I was like, listen, man, y'all can have y'all money back. <laughs> I said, I don't even want the money. I'm going back to Nike, man. Right. Yeah, I mean, so – it's funny when you try other shoe brands, but I just think Nike is such a basketball shoe. It, I mean, you know, Adidas has done a great job. Um, other companies have done well, but Nike, Nike has figured out. Nike, I mean, I was just looking at a deal that uh, I think Spencer Haywood didn't take. We could have had 10% of Nike back in like 1970, mm-hmm. which would be about three or $4 billion. So at the time, his agent advised him to take that. So he, he had a choice to take 10% of Nike or $100,000 in 19, I think 1970, 72. Mm. And he chose to take 100000 Wow. When he could have had 10% of Nike right now, that would have been worth, I think, upwards of three to $4 billion. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm telling you now. So mm-hmm. in 1970, Mr. Haywood could have taken 100000 or 10% of Nike. Mm. And his agent advised him. I wonder, wonder who his agent is right now. I'm like, dude, are you serious? If yeah. you were a really good agent, it's, it's like, you know, it's almost like when I, when I, um, with baseball players, you know, as I looked over some of their contracts is that how to get their money deferred. And I thought, I thought it's, it was a genius thing to do when you get money deferred. You look at someone like, uh, like Manny, Manny Ramirez. I'm like, Manny Ramirez is still getting paid. By Bonilla. Yeah, Bob, or Bobby got Bobby got the best deal going. Even you know what, like even with King Griffey, King Griffey's been getting paid for like the last ten to twelve years. I I I, I don't remember. I think King Griffey might have finished in maybe oh eight oh nine somewhere mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. and um, he ended up um, you know getting a lot of his money. And then the development I live in right now, I forget forget his first name is Sutter. So he got. This whole area where we live right now, he bought this land. So he got a lot of his money deferred over mm-hmm. years with interest. Kind of like the same thing that Bobby did. And, you know, I think if someone kind of sits down and explains to NBA players, like, listen, you don't want to take all your money right now. You want to get your money on the back end. And even Kevin Garnett is still getting paid. You know, I think Boston still owes him for like another two or three years. Um, so, you know, it's having a good agent, but it's also, you know, having an understanding is that how money works. And, you know, I'm, it's funny, I'm, I'm learning all this now. I wish I had known it then. I'd have been like, no trade clause. Uh, I'd have got maybe three or $400,000 deferred every year. I, w- I would have I looked into doing some things differently. But once again, no one explained it to me. Yeah, live and learn. Tony Man said for the – he remembered your 53-point game, and he said – all of the managers, I mean, 
don't think that they weren't proud of that. All the guys that rebounded shots for you in practice, they were <laughs> they were proud of that as well. So I thought that was that's kind of cool that that they were just as proud as just fans and just for the part they played and you moving on, you know. Well, you know, and the thing is, you know, I really was a gym rat. I really really was someone that stayed in the gym, and I, I even like now to this day, man. I, I just love I love basketball. Basketball is has given me so much. Um, you know, along with my family, opened up a lot of doors, and I'm still able to be in a position to help kids, to teach kids um, about this game. And it's more than just running up and down the court. You know, it's, it's, it's learning something and admiring what other people do and seeing if you can do it yourself, you know, because it, it takes time. I mean, to love something, you got to put a lot of time into it. And, you know, I was definitely committed. You know, basketball is something that I, I knew as a, as a little kid um, it was going to be a part of my life until I died. Mm-hmm. And the last thing, because he, he sent a lot of tweets after he listened. He said that, you know, everybody knew you was you was ripped and yoked. You had that Adonis physique going on back <laughs> in Kentucky. He said all y'all used to used to be wrestling all the time. Oh, and, man. and then he also said that you were the king of ping pong in the lodge basement. He said you were the king. <laughs> hey, man. Uh that was my thing. I mean, when I tell you uh, I love that game, and that was something I really enjoyed doing. I mean, I, I don't, I don't it, it's outside of basketball, it's like my second, my second favorite hobby. You wow. know, I, I can do it any day, all day. I can play it for hours. Um, I have paddles mm-hmm. in my house right now. I travel sometimes with paddles. <laughs> uh, I like to go on the road and play um, against different people. Yeah. So it's it, it's it's um a game I started playing when I was about maybe ten or eleven and just fell in love with it. You know, I my older older brothers played in college college and I started playing against them and then I actually won a ping pong tournament in my in my little hometown. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. But there, there was this lady named Greta Sanders. I have to I have to give Miss Greta a lot of credit. She used to beat me down. Like. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it was a, she. She played with this sponge paddle, so I kind of struggled with the sponge paddle. And <laughs> there was a player I can't think of his last name. But his first name is Robert. Robert was really good because he was a left-handed player, mm. and I had to kind of like figure him out. You know, I'm like, man, I got to keep playing him. But Miss Greta was really, really tough. I didn't, I didn't beat Miss Greta until I got to Kentucky. So they came up to visit me and. I couldn't wait to play her because I kind of felt like my game had gotten better. You know, I'm like, okay. So in the lodge, we had a ping pong table and a pool table downstairs. And uh, so she came up and she came up to one of the games. I was like, hey, Miss Greta, let's go play ping pong. So at that time, I knew my game had gotten better. I'm like, okay, she's going to be surprised. And I finally beat her. And I beat her like she didn't win any games. So, yes, yes. And that's kind of how I am. I mean, once I figure out, and it was the same thing with my brother. Once I finally was able to beat my brother, mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, you're not going to be able to beat me no more. Because now, <laughs> hey, I got the code. I got the password. <laughs> it's over with now. You know, just, just cancel Christmas. That's, that's, that's what we can do now. And that's just how I am, man. I mean, if you give me enough time to figure you out, like, now I'm going to dominate you. Mm. So did did Les keep trying to play you after you beat him on one on one, or he? Just, oh, he did, he and, did. Okay, I, I, I abused him like he was my little brother. <laughs> <laughs> did Miss Greta ever play you again? She didn't play me. No, we didn't get a chance to play again. But I, I think when she left, she was, she called me. She was like, "I'm proud of you." <laughs> <laughs> That's the white flag. That's the white flag. It is, man. It was, you know. But it, it, like I said, once I once I get in. Once I start doing something, I mean, I take it seriously, man. And I want to be, I want to be good. I want to dominate. And that's just how I am. Like, you know, I'll, I'll take time to read and study something. Like, it's funny. Like, I just, just got this Vertimax that's going to help a lot of my athletes in, in, uh, in my basketball academy. So I'm so eager to read up on it. Um, maybe take a, take a course. And I want to be really good when I put my kids on the Vertimax to really train them to, to be more explosive, um, you know, to build endurance, but to trust in their body. You know, I think that's something that I always value was 
treating your body like a temple. And the only way you can do that is you have to con be committed to doing, doing, putting in the hard work, you know, um, you know, sweating when, you know, the days you don't feel like doing it, like doing the two a day or three a day. And it's like, I, I have to get up and do that again and again and again. That's mm -hmm. what it takes, man. Like, I, I don't, I don't think, you know, when I started playing and competing at that level, and especially when I, I was able to get through a three, three and a half hour practice uh, with Coach Patino, I was like, I can, I, you know, I, I believe I can do anything. That's mm -hmm. how I felt. Mm -hmm. I really did. Yeah. Yo, that's all right. And this, yo, well, yeah. So like y'all always said it, or they, it was, you know, the, the practices were a lot harder than the games. And so y'all got to the games, the games were fun because of everything y'all had put in to get yourselves to that point. So that's, that's why y'all dominated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I tell you, we did a good job of, we just had, we just had so many good guys. I mean, and when you have a great, a great collection of men that really enjoy playing with each other. I mean, that's, that's what usually helps help the situation out is that we all are, you know, we all, we all held, held each other accountable. And when you can hold each other accountable and not take it personal, I think that's when players enjoy playing with each other. And we did such a good job of, um, of managing each other, but you know, we spend a lot of time together. Like we spend a lot of time with people, you really get to know who they are. And I think that's what, you know, for my managers, because all those guys were tight with one another. They were cool. They were close. And and we embraced them. You know what I'm saying? We didn't just see them as just guys that, oh, you know what? There are nobody. They just got to do our work and do our job. No, we, we, we respected those dudes. And that's one of the reasons why we stayed friends with them even when we got done, even when we made it to the NBA. You know, we didn't come back and, and see them as just, oh, man, these are guys that, you know, we don't care about like they they were a part of they was definitely a huge part of our success so you know we want to give a shout out to all the managers that was there um that helped us become the people that we are today yeah so i, I get old tony on here with us uh a yeah, man. when he get his book ready and when he's ready to, to do his little promoting and stuff we'll get him on here and talk yeah, it up he, on the podcast. He, he might have a few stories man about yeah. us guys man. <laughs> Yeah, so that'd be fun, man. I, I'll i holler back at him when he see when it's good for him to come on with it sometimes. That'd be fun. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> well, this has been fun, like it always is. We got another one in the archive. I like these mornings, man. So we 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 gotta we gotta try to do some mornings. So you know, I know this is this is something different for and new for us, but I, I do like mornings. I think I'm more energetic. I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to to get that day jump started. So why not get it jump started with a great podcast? That's it. Now I can do that. I got to be working early. It'd it be early morning if you won't do it now. Hey, man. Some morning we can knock it out, man. You got to let me know the time, man. I'm, I'm up. I'm it'd up. Four or five in the morning. It'd be early morning. But then, yeah, that is early morning. So, <laughs> so I got to be working six. I have to be working six in the morning. So, Ooh, you know, six in the morning? Yeah. So we can do early morning if you want to. Like I said, man, you know what? I'm gonna mess around and throw one of the mornings in on your on, on your butt, man. You can be like, man, he pulled it, he pulled it off. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. hey, you never know about me, man. Hey, when I used to, when I was at New Mexico State, I would get to the gym around about five o'clock in the morning just to finish that scout report and get that thing prepared and ready for the coaches and the players. And I'd be the only one in the building. Wow. Uh, so yeah. when it comes to getting up early, I got a job to do, count me in. I'll that's be there. Good. I'll do it. I'll you know, I'm gonna surprise you, man. Be like, yo, we, let's let's hit it at five in the morning. Let's do it, man. Let's yeah, that's it. Leave it. I leave it. I'm, I'm down. I'm down for. I'm down for the calls. We do a four to five or four thirty to five thirty. We, we right. do it. I do okay. it one time. All right. <laughs> I'm surprise you, but man, be like, hey, yo, what's up, man? Let's get it popping. <laughs> let's do it, man. We will do it. Well, have a good weekend, man. Appreciate. Same it. to you, man. Enjoy, oh, man. Take care oh, as man. always. You know, ho hopefully. Like I said, ho hopefully these cats, man, to keep doing what they do, man, and, and try to get them uh, – hopefully they can get into a bowl game. I, I don't know what bowl games there will be. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably yeah. won't be as many as we've had in the past, which probably is good, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. too many too many dang bowls. Yeah, yeah. So they got to buy this week. They can, they can heal up. They can work on the offense. Uh, the schedule gets tough after the bye. When you, you – Vanderbilt, then it's Florida, Alabama, and South Carolina. So – Better. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, hey, as, as I say, prayers. 
<laughs> enjoy this bye week, cats, and 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 rest up and and work on some weaknesses, and and we'll see what happens next Saturday. No doubt. Yeah, but appreciate everybody listening. Hey, okay, bro. Go to iTunes, where you get your podcast, Believe Podcast Network. TD and I'll be here every single week doing that thing. We appreciate y'all checking us out. Take care. Hey, don't forget about that Lorenzo's and the book shooter uh, and La Terrain watches. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be good, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.